0: and welcome to the Unsportsmanlike Podcast. Welcome in. How's everybody doing? Hopefully we're doing good. Uh, You know the deal. We're here to tell you about uh, draft stuff.
1: We got a long one for you today. Got a nice
0: long one for you today because our schedules have been garbage.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Before we get into that, let's talk about the uh, trade that went down that's going to affect the first round of the draft. It went down yesterday, I believe. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr. is now a member of the Kansas City Queefs, Sorry, Chiefs. Did, did, did I say that out loud? Boo. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I fucking hate it. Um, um, I love it for him as a player. Um, obviously, being an OU guy and him wanting to play left tackle his whole life, I mean, that was what he wanted to do. Got the chance when Ronnie Stanley went down, but you're not going to not start Ronnie Stanley. You know, it's one of those things. Um, so, he did request a trade, and he got what he wanted. So, I mean, it and worked now, out for him.
1: Baltimore has two picks at 27 and 31, which I think will... It's, Baltimore is going to be an interesting team to watch to see if they maybe try to, I don't know, move up into the early to mid-teens if one of the wide receivers starts to fall or... If there's an edge rusher they really like, or just something like that, Baltimore is just a team to watch now. I think.
0: I think we'll obviously, you know, get a little bit deeper into this, but I think that they keep those two picks and take both an edge rusher and a receiver because there's going to still be really good options there. I think the it would be back smart like
1: if they can get a Rashad Bateman and say an Aziz Ojulari or maybe a Gregory Russo, since it seems some people are starting to cool off on him. Didn't have a great pro day, which we'll talk about in a little while. Um, but yeah, I mean. I wouldn't hate it for them, especially since they gave up their second round pick in the deal. So right, exactly. Maybe holding on to both of them would be smart, unless they're just they think they're a piece away. Maybe on the offense, like I said, get try to get uh, Lamar a true number one receiver. We'll see what happens, though. They're just the team, just to keep an eye on. Yeah, we'll dig
0: into that for sure when we get to the mocks and all that.
1: Yeah, also heard some rumors involving your team.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a rumor floating around that we might try to trade up. You think it would be for Sewell? I think it would be for Panay if he does fall. Um, Realistically, I don't see him falling. Um, So maybe it's a Rayshon Slater, you know.
1: It kind of just hinges on, to me, Cincinnati right now and what they're going to do.
0: I think that's fair. Because realistically, they can kind of hold the Dolphins hostage.
1: If he doesn't go at five, if Sewell doesn't go at five, I think he could last till at least, like,
0: I think it gets really interesting at seven, because I think that's where it's going to kind of flip. You know, do you want to... I mean, or is there a quarterback there that you want to grab? Maybe Jared Goff isn't your long-term answer.
1: You know, it's weird. Sorry to cut you You're off good. there, but um, I, we'll talk more about this, because we're doing a mock draft show on Tuesday, which we will have out before the draft. Um, that number seven spot, Detroit right now, is the hardest team for me to get a read on. Me too. All. I have... N- like. We're less than a week out. I have no idea what Detroit's going to do, and nothing would surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if they traded back. It wouldn't surprise me if they stood pat and took a quarterback or just the best player available, like a Sewell or Rashawn Slater or somebody like that. Like, I have no idea what Detroit's going to do right now. That regime—I mean, it's a new regime. Um, It's—they're—they're they're definitely to me right now the hardest team to try to project.
0: It's a huge wild card for sure, and then I think. The pick at eight with Carolina, I think that one kind of settled itself. They were huge on the Mac Jones thing. Do we think Mac Jones makes it to eight? I personally think he does, but uh, we'll see what happens at three. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Let's just put it that way. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on.
1: Uh, yeah, Carolina, I, th- I mean, I think they're going to want one of those tackles. I think so too. But yeah, man. Detroit is really going to be where the draft. I mean,. Even at like four and five, depending on what the uh, Falcons decide to do and the Bengals, whether they go Chase or Sewell or maybe Pitts if he's there, who knows. But to me, like Detroit is really where it starts to get interesting.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a huge wild card at seven. Um, Realistically, I mean, a lot of people are talking about how the number four pick is up for grabs, but I personally haven't seen a lot of. I just personally don't think that Atlanta has created enough buzz about that number four pick to get any offers. I don't think that anybody's willing to trade up at four to get a Trey Lance or get a Justin Fields or, you know, whoever that fourth quarterback is.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Realistically, for me, like, I think Atlanta wants out of that pick. I think they do, too. But, let me, let me, let's look at it, like, I see keep seeing teams uh, link, link, like, the Broncos to trading up because... Right. Because then who, it could knows, be a nine swap. Who and knows it's a, what's going to be, going on with Drew Locke and all that. What incentive do the Broncos have to move up? Let's look at who's in front of them after Atlanta. You have Cincinnati, not, not taking, taking a quarterback. It. You have Miami, not taking a quarterback. Detroit could, again, they're hard to get a read on. My gut tells me they're not going to, though.
0: I think they're going to take a receiver, personally.
1: And then you have Carolina at eight, who, I mean, after the Darnold deal... I guess they're not totally out of the quarterback market, depending on how things fall, but it would surprise me if they took one.
0: Especially if one of those top tackles is available.
1: Realistically, like, why would Denver want to trade up with Atlanta? And Listen, I don't know what it's going to cost to get from 9 to 4, whether it be a couple seconds, maybe a first next year. I don't know. But if you could get the same player, say, if you trade trade up with Detroit at 7 rather than Atlanta at 4... And it's going to cost you a lot less, like
0: significantly less. What
1: I mean, I think the teams that are a little farther back have a better chance at trading up with the Falcons. Say the Patriots, maybe Washington, but I mean, my gut tells me right now that they're not going to be trading up for a quarterback. I just, I don't, I don't see it. Maybe I mean, I, I keep just hearing some weird rumblings about the Bears, and I don't like if one team's just going to come out of left field and move up for a quarterback, I think it might be the Bears for some reason. I it, Listen, that's not based on any sort of, like, intel or anything that I've heard or seen. That's just, like, a, just a complete gut feeling. I don't know why, but, well, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, I
0: could realistically see something like that happen, uh, happening, rather. That's the thing, you know... In Chicago, they had a really weird, sticky situation with how the whole Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, we're getting, we're getting one of those guys, and then they end up with Andy Dalton. Now it's like, okay, well, we can at least trade up and get one of the top quarterbacks, and then maybe they stay pat at 20. I saw uh, the CBS Sports, one of the CBS Sports mocks, I think it was uh, Pete Prisco, he actually had... Davis Mills as the sixth quarterback at twenty, and I think that would be a huge reach. And you fire Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy immediately. And
1: I like Davis a lot, but I don't.
0: I have him as a late day two pick. I don't see him being yeah, exactly. the sixth quarterback. Why would you
1: take a guy in the first that you could probably get in the second?
0: Right, even there's... as late as you're picking. I
1: mean, there's gonna. I mean, I, and I've heard uh, that. I mean, I've heard they've had some interest in Kellen Mann, maybe Kyle Trask. You know, they they've talked to people, but. The whole Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy thing to me is the whole reason why I think that maybe they're just they're a team that's ready to make a move because it's a last with, ditch effort. Yeah, realistically, like they are in a lame duck year this year if they go in with Andy Dalton as their quarterback. Nothing that's against no, the Red Rifle. Yeah, there's we love no him. disrespect to Andy Dalton, but I mean, fans thought they were getting Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson maybe, and they ended up with Andy Dalton. And it's just it's a it's a far cry from what they wanted and what they thought they were going to get and
0: you expected ribeye and you got ground beef
1: you know if they stay at if they stay at twenty and take I don't know maybe a, maybe a corner or a safety like a Trevon Morris or a Caleb Farley falls or like a Tevin Jenkins or something like I mean that's just fucking I'm sorry Ryan Pace just clear out your office now like it's you have to you have to do something.
0: A big thing about those, you know, mid to late round picks is a lot of the times you're not going to get the impact player that's going to come in right away and be the franchise cornerstone, be the guy, you know. But sometimes you have to, especially in those mid, to, the mid to late rounds, or excuse me, mid to late picks of the first round, you have to really focus on what are my team needs now. Sure, but team needs now aren't always your future needs. That's true. So that's going to be a big thing, I think, especially with. Even starting with the Bears, because I think, honestly, 1-19, through 19, I think that's going to be one of those things where teams are addressing what they need now.
1: Right. I'm not a huge fan of drafting for need anyway. I've always just kind of been in the camp of fill needs and free agency and take the best player available on your board. And, you know, if it comes down to it, use need as a tiebreaker. Or unless you have just an absolute glut at a position, like if Washington took a defensive lineman in the first round, I'd be like, guys... Come on. Let's... Come, on. Let's, <laughs> come let's, on. What's going on here? Right. But anyway, let's get into our... Because we got a lot of positions to break down. We are going to do everything today from the offensive lineman to the secondary. And everything in between. So let's get started. Heck
0: yeah. We'll start with the tackles. Um, the obvious top tackle being Pane Not
1: obvious to everybody.
0: Not everybody. But to me, personally, my number one is Pane Suo.
1: I think I'd have him as my number one, too. You just don't get somebody who's as athletically gifted as Sewell. Those people just don't come around. He's six foot five, 330, and just, for a man that size, just moves like an absolute animal. Oh, he's a freak,
0: and he's only 20 years old, yeah, so he no, still has plenty of growth potential. It's won't, just...
1: won't turn 21 till about halfway through the season either. Um, he did opt out last year, but, I mean, as a 19-year-old, he just absolutely dominated everybody at Oregon. Oh yeah,
0: and that's the thing. It, he wasn't necessarily facing the elite rushers being in the Pac-12. Right. I mean, it's not like he was going against Chase Young, which we'll cover in a minute. Right.
1: And Oregon, co- and Oregon covered. I mean, they have a screen-heavy offense, so he doesn't get a lot of true one-on-ones. But I mean, that's that's not. I'm not that worried about that.
0: Exactly. I mean, the guy had 924 total snaps in 2019. Obviously, that includes run situations. But I think it was like a crazy. St- I think it was like maybe seven pressures total. Right. No, it's insane. Just,
1: he is an absolute animal. Um, he's strong. His punch is just ridiculous.
0: He's so powerful. He's uh, effortless getting to the second level too, and he puts those guys on their ass. It's awesome. I mean, again,
1: as a, as a nineteen-year-old, he just looked like a man among boys. You don't get that sort of rare athlete at this position very often.
0: Exactly, because he. He's three hundred thirty pounds, but that man can move.
1: No, absolutely. Do you have uh, Rashawn Slater number two? I do. So do I. So should everybody. A lot of people even have him as their OT one. Yeah, I know. I've seen that before. I've seen that a couple times. Um, he's got, sh- he's got some short arms. So I've seen some people say maybe he would be better off moving to guard. The measurables are honestly kind of the same between
0: him and Panisual. Right. So here's, here's, their arms were about, I think. Slater was 33, and Sowell was 33 and a quarter, so it's not far off.
1: See, here's what I'm, I would say to people saying he'd be better off at guard. If I'm drafting him as highly as he will probably go, I am sticking him at tackle until he proves to me that he can't play tackle, and then I'll move him to guard.
0: 100%. And if you watch any tape of Rashawn Slater at Northwestern, he played left tackle, he played right tackle, he can slide inside and play guard but that man plays nasty, and it's fun to watch him, even though, again, we right. hate that freaking day.
1: He's 6'4", 304, but he, he's quick for a man that size. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's got very good feet. He's he, Like I said, size and arm length will be an issue that some teams see, but I like Slater a lot, and it doesn't really worry me that much about him. Not at all. I'd feel confident drafting him in the top 15, maybe top 10. Oh,
0: 100%, and that's the thing. I mean, the way that he processes the game is amazing to watch on film.
1: And again, he's another one. He opted out, so we didn't get to see him in twenty twenty. But twenty nineteen was insane for him. He had a really good year. Yeah, and everybody's
0: now, gonna go to the Chase Young tape. Obviously, um, he didn't necessarily dominate Chase Young on every he kept, snap. He kept him at bay, though. For but he standpoint. definitely kept him at bay. Yeah.
1: If you watched Chase Young's last year at Ohio State, that uh, not something many people were able to do. That exactly. For Sure. Um, number three, I have Christian Darisol. Uh Of course, that's who I have as well. He is a mauler. 100 percent, absolutely. Three, six foot five, three fourteen. I saw someone. Um, he's got very powerful, powerful hands. I'm with you. Yeah, what do you? I mean, I've seen some people comparing to Eric Flowers coming out of college, which I think is a pretty good comparison. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I
0: would know? say maybe even like a Russell Okung. Um, he definitely is more of like a natural bender. He keeps the pad level really, really where it's supposed to be. Um, he does have really strong hands. Um, his punch lands pretty often. It's pretty solid. And
1: he spent, I mean, he spent the last year going up against nothing but ACC edge defenders who are probably going to be in the NFL, and he was very good against them.
0: Yeah, there's going to be a lot of the ACC edge rushers that we'll see in this first round. So I mean, it's it's crazy to see. Um, I think. PFF actually had him as their highest-ranked tackle in college in oh.
1: 2020. Well, actually, Granted. Actually, I think that was Brady Christensen, who we will be talking about in a second. I'll double check on that. But, but I mean, anyway, like, he's not – I mean, dare so he's got some problems. Sometimes he rides the rushers past the pocket a little too much, and then they can get free and get to the quarterback. And he only really has one year of elite grading. He took a big leap from 2019 to 2020.
0: That's fair. He does allow defenders into his frame a little more than he should. Um, he has a hard time kind of creating separation sometimes. He can be a little lazy with his hand placement. Um, but, I mean, overall, he's going to be a first-round pick. He'll probably go in the top 20.
1: Yeah, I would safely say top 20.
0: Realistically, I've seen him link to the Chargers a lot. So, I've, I've looked into Christian So I think I've seen what I've seen on tape. I do like him there if, you know, obviously one of the other guys isn't there. He's Gosh. definitely OT3 for me.
1: Unless you want to try to make a trade up, exactly, which is still very possible. All right, number four, I have Tevin Jenkins. Of course, I think that's fair. From Oklahoma State. I'm not gonna say go Cowboys. Yeah, good call on this show. Yeah, good call. So sorry. Uh, six six three seventeen. Now he is a redshirt senior, so he's a little, a little older, older, but he's very strong. Which I mean, I would hope from a redshirt senior. I think Ro- realistically, he's the best strength. Sorry. He's
0: definitely the best run blocker of the tackles in this class. I think if you're looking for a right tackle, he's far and away the best one.
1: Right. Um, he didn't He didn't get a lot of work against top guys. That's right. There's not a whole lot of edge talent coming out of the Big 12 these days. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you got
0: to think about, especially in the Big 12, um, you see a lot of three-man rushes. You don't really get, like, heavy, heavy pressure just because it is such an open-air offense most of the time.
1: Right. And he... He's not, I mean, he doesn't have the greatest feet. He isn't always able to mirror the defenders very well. Sure. And like I said, he'll be 23 on draft day, so he's, I mean, he's a little older and that makes him look a little better on the tape. I've heard some people say he's pretty much exclusively a right tackle. They wouldn't, they wouldn't play him at left tackle, um, which I found interesting. Because to me, uh, I don't put a whole lot of stock into that. To me, if you can play tackle, you can play tackle. That's fair. Um, but there's there's some definitely some things to like. Again, he's strong, and he's very balanced in pass sets. Oh, 100%. And he's, again, good with his hands, which is something you want to see. I think he'll end up being a top 25 pick.
0: Yeah, so, I think he needs a little bit of work in the footwork department, but I think he's going to be a very good player in the NFL, and he could go either, I, I think, probably mid to late first, realistically.
1: Right. All right. Next, we got Dylan Radens from North Dakota State. Another redshirt senior, six foot five, three hundred four. So he's a little on the lighter side for the, his position. Went down to the Senior Bowl though, and had an excellent week. Oh, that's one hundred percent. And he's a very good athlete at the tackle position. He is great in space. He can do just about anything you could, you want a tackle to do, athletically speaking.
0: Obviously, you are going to get the complaints that he didn't play a good, you know, competition. You were playing at North Dakota State, right? Um, but the man, I mean, he fires off the snap. He's got really good pad level. I think that his initial punch has a really quality stiffness to it. Um, it's going to be hard for guys. He creates distance really well, so it's going to be hard for guys to like get out on him. I think the inside is going to be where he's going to have trouble because um, he's going to have a lot of guys that are going to be countering inside on him. I think that's going to be a very real thing that yeah, happens He's to him another
1: again. guy who's just an absolute mauler. Oh, 100%. What is he six six? Yeah, I mean he's a six ish. Yeah,
0: he'll uh, he'll probably grow into it a little bit. I would hope put on a little bit more weight if he's gonna if he is gonna play tackle. Um, just because he is slight, I've seen a lot of people saying that he
1: could move inside as well. Right. Um. I like I said, I, any of the guys I'm taking to tackle, save for a few, I'm saying play tackle until you prove to me that you can't. Now we're going to Walker Little, who I think. Might be, to me, the most fascinating of all the offensive line prospects. He's a big boy, 6'8", 3'13". The biggest problem with Walker Little is we haven't seen him in two years. No, exactly. Um, he had an injury in 2019, I believe he opted out of 2020. He did opt out of 2020. Yeah. Which, I think he's one of the guys who maybe hurt himself by doing that. Listen, I'm not going to knock anybody for opting out. You had your reasons, and I'm, like I said, I'm understanding of all that. But there's certain guys who's like... Scouts really would have liked to see last year. I mean, you could have played your. I mean, he still might go in the back back end of the first round, but I see him more as a day two pick.
0: If there's a run on tackles, don't be surprised if he does get taken late in the first. Um, I, I can had see him, it. I had more of a mid to late second round on him, um, just because of the you know distance between the last time we've seen him play football.
1: And let me just say, I would be perfectly fine with my team taking him in the second round. Oh, absolutely. He was, I mean, there were mock drafts back in 2019 who had him, like, I think sometimes they do the way-too-early mocks that had him, like, a top-five pick in 2020. Now, obviously, he didn't come out in 2020, and he waited another year, and again, he opted out, so.
0: Well, after the injury, you have to, he he thought, you know, let's go back and play some more football, but then obviously with
1: COVID and everything, you know, a lot of guys did opt out. Right. Right. And. I mean, he almost he almost sort of looks like a tight end. I mean, he's pretty light for being six eight, but he's very athletic. Oh, absolutely, um, and he's super flexible too. He's hard to move. He's hard to move off the ball too. Oh yeah, he is an anchor at the offensive line. And, and even
0: when he does get beat, his recovery athleticism is really solid, and he can keep the pocket clean, which is nice. Right. He
1: sometimes. I mean, he has sometimes his cuts a little high, and he can get out leveraged in the run game. Sure. He's not the best at generating movement, but again, like I said, the biggest thing with Walker Little, we just haven't seen him in two years. We don't know how he's going to come in and look against NFL NFL defenders. It's Basically. it's just too too hard to judge right now. All right, now we are going to go to Sam Cosme from Texas. Hook him. Sorry, <laughs> but I'll let you. I'll know let that one slide. Sam Cosme <sighs> is a big boy. I think he is somewhere in the six eight range. I've seen people say he might move to guard. Like, no, you're not moving a guy. That I think he,
0: uh, he. I think he measured at his combine or he measured at the uh, medical combine at six, six Oh, did he? Yeah, six six and uh, like three fifteen. I want to say like 315, 320 in, in that area. Well, I like Cosme a
1: lot. Um, he had a great pro day.
0: Yeah, he's the better of the Sam's coming out of Texas he's for sure. Six six. <laughs>
1: I'll let that one marinate for just a second. Got
0: to stab that one Um, in there a little bit.
1: Now, keep in mind, he's 6'6", 314. At his pro day, he ran a 4.84. That's pretty good. That's pretty solid. Yeah, no. 98th percentile at the position. And
0: when you're talking about guys with experience coming out, Sam Cosby was a three-year starter. Right.
1: And like I said, all of his athletic numbers from his combine are exactly what you want to see. He's a guy I think could maybe fall the day to...
0: I think that he's going to be an early day two pick. That that was where
1: I had him. Um, I could also see him. I could. I see a world where he goes in the back end of the first round, though.
0: It's going to be. I think Sam Cosme's going to have to kind of fit into a certain type of scheme, almost like a more of like a very pass set approach. Um, I don't see him being like a premier left tackle in the league by any means, but he's going to be a very solid starter. Um, honestly, he. Plays really well in space. I think that's going to be a huge advantage for him. Kind of moves like a really big tight end. Um, And his agility on the inside slide is really solid
1: as well. Yeah, I like Cosme a lot, and I'm sorry to say that about a Texas guy. I know Uh, he's good. He's (laughs) another guy who, if a team needs a tackle early day two, maybe say the Bengals, if they take Jamar Chase at five, I'd be all over him. Teams like that. Without a doubt. And, all right, next, I believe. We have Alex Leatherwood. Now, let's talk about Brady Christensen for a second, though. I'm with you. Before we get to Alex Leatherwood, let's get Brady Christensen out of the way. 6'6, 302, so he's a little, um, I don't even want to say smaller side. 300 pounds is still a big boy. <laughs> right, yeah. No. Um, had good, I mean, had a, had a good pro day, tested very well, all the athletic numbers you want to see. Um, got good hands. The biggest problem with Brady, and I, again, I think he was PFF's highest graded tackle last year. Thing was, BYU didn't play any competition with, like, good edge rushers. So he was kind of going up against softballs all year. That's right. And the one game, I think, when they played Houston that he did go up against, a uh, guy who's decent and Peyton Turner, who we'll talk about later, got owned a little bit.
0: Yeah, he got worked a bit. Um Big thing for him is he does have a little bit shorter arms for a tackle. Um, he's kind of an average athlete. So sometimes with the more elite rushers, and I don't want to say Peyton Turner is elite because I don't think that he's your top edge rusher by any means, but no. he's a more quality rusher based on the competition that they saw. Um, he does kind of get beat, you know. It's it's like you said, you know, he's just not a, the best bender. you think he might be better off moving to guard? Uh, maybe, uh, just because he is kind of a smaller range guy. It's not that he's a small guy by any means, but his arms are a little bit shorter. Um, he's got those choppy quick slide steps and pass pro that would
1: definitely benefit him in the inside, I would think. It's also going to be 23 on draft day, so he's a little older, but I I mean, I think he'd warrant a uh, late second, early third round selection. I think that's fine. fine with that. Now, let's go to Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama, sir! Alex Leatherwood. What but a senior cool. out of Pensacola, Florida. What a great name. What a name. Like Leatherwood. That's a great <laughs> name for a tackle. Um, I believe he was, he was like the number one tackle coming out in this class. That was a big, he was a big deal as a recruit, I remember. Um, he's 6'5", 3'12", so, I mean, got good length. And length, his frame solid, too. Got huge fucking arms, too. Like tree trunks out there. Absolutely Ridiculous. He's a lot of, uh,
0: he's got a lot of versatility, too, because you, you can slide him inside if you need to. Um, say you have an established guy at left
1: tackle, maybe move him inside. Yeah. Uh, he can do that. And like all the offensive linemen that come out of Alabama, and it seems like there's a ton every year, he's pro-ready, you know. He 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 can do anything in pass sets. He's balanced, he's nice, he's got good kick slide. I mean, everything about the guy, I, I like Alex Leatherwood a lot.
0: I like him a lot, too, and I think he's kind of one of those underrated guys that nobody's really talking about. as like a could sneak into the first round type
1: guy, but... People are just like, oh, wow, another Alabama offensive He guy. reminds me
0: kind of uh, almost like a Cameron Irving coming out.
1: I could see that. Um, again, he's very, he's got a very stout lower half, too.
0: I mean, if you're going to nitpick a little bit, I mean, he needs to be a little bit better with the hand positioning. Um, his mechanicals...
1: Struggles to locate at the second level a bit, too. That's fair. Yeah, so like Quicker linebackers seem to give him problems sometimes. That's something he's going to want to work on. Everybody
0: in the NFL is fast, so you better pick the... They fast. They They make fast people look not fast. All right, now
1: let's (laughs) move to the interior real quick. That's about all the tackles we want to cover again. We're we're not going to be able to cover everybody, guys, because we're trying to get through as many as possible. If we we miss on
0: one of your prospects that you think is going to be a steal.
1: While we're still here, though, I'm going to talk about Jalen Mayfield. 100%. Who some people have as a tackle. I think he projects better as a guard. I think so, too. Uh, he's 6'5, 326, who's so on the larger side. Very powerful, but he was getting a lot of first round hype. Even like as late as like a couple weeks ago, I saw some mocks that had him in the first round. I just, I don't know. I don't I don't see him as a first rounder to me. I don't think
0: so either. Um he does have a really smooth kick slide. He's very agile. His athletic ability is pretty solid. Yeah,
1: he's very nimble for a 320 pounder.
0: Exactly, and he's very good at adjusting his blocks. Um, he has that physical demeanor to him too.
1: And he is on the younger side. He's only going to be twenty on draft day, so I mean.
0: But with that comes the inexperience. He only has fifteen career starts under his belt.
1: Right, he can be a little. He can be a little impatient sometimes too. You Saw a lot of that. Um, I I wouldn't. I I like him as a round two or three pick. I think that's I just don't like him as a round one pick.
0: Yeah, if he slips into the first round, I think that's a bit of a reach, personally.
1: Right. All right, now let's talk about who most people have as edge one, and I do too, Elijah Vera Tucker, out of UFC, alumni of my man, Orin Paul James Simpson. Don't OJ. Did the glove fit? Quality so, follow on Twitter. My favorite follow on. Twitter. Hopefully he doesn't get canceled. For oh that. no, they can't cancel OJ. Right? No kidding. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Elijah, we're not giving you your due, but. Um, you know, six foot four, three 308. Again, a lot of people... I mean, he's played tackle. He plays all over the offensive line, though. I think, I think people will see him as a plug-and-play guard. He's one of these guys you draft, you stick at guard for the next 10 years, and you don't worry about it. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of Will
0: Hernandez coming
1: out. Right, he'll go in the first round. Um, like I said, we'll see if he gets to play tackle in the NFL.
0: He's a good enough athlete that he can... Do the any of the pulling and trapping that you need him to do? Right. Um, I just don't think that you know. One he'd... thing
1: he's really good at that I noticed: he's got really good awareness. He reacts to unexpected plays like it was expected. Like he, like he, it's almost like one of these guys. He knows what you're gonna do before you know what you're gonna do.
0: That's fair. Yeah, I mean that shows up on tape a lot. You know, he uh, he's, he's, he's very be- aware.
1: He's really good in the run game. His feet never stop moving. All right. you yeah. next? Next, I have Landon Dickerson out of Alabama. Now, That's fair. the obvious issue with Landon Dickerson, he's had two ACL tears in the same knee. Otherwise, I think he'd be a first rounder. I really do, because he was good for Alabama. But again, that those injuries are going to scare people. He'll fall at least to day two, probably if not day three. I don't want to say that much, but I don't know. It's it's hard to justify. A guy who's, like I said, two- he's a redshirt senior
0: too. He's going to be a little bit older. He's got the two knee injuries, so there's there's a couple negatives,
1: obviously. He does wear number sixty nine, so that's I mean that's a plus. So nice, very nice. Six six three twenty six. Maybe okay he gets four. drafted
0: at number sixty nine.
1: That would be solid. No, he's he's got <laughs> you, he'll go before that, I'm sure. I mean that would be that would be wonderful. He's got what you call grown man strength. He is very strong. I'm with you. Um, executed. Executed a pro style scheme in Alabama, so he'll know what he's doing when he gets to the NFL, if he's able to play with his injuries. And that's the thing;
0: he can play NFL caliber football at both guard and center, so he's a little bit more versatile on the inside. Um, he does keep tight, compact steps into his run fits, right? Um, so that'll be something that'll definitely play to his advantage.
1: And he's not the greatest athlete in the world, but with his position, you really don't need to be. Exactly. I like. like I said I like him a lot. I'd like him even more if he. Didn't have those injuries. Yeah, it's
0: one of those things that you know scouts are gonna look at, teams are gonna look at. It's one of those things that's, I mean, it's definitely a factor. Next, we got your boy
1: Creed Humphrey. Out of Oklahoma, I like the name. That's like that's such a football name, Creed Humphrey. I love it. What do you think about Creed Humphrey?
0: Sorry. I watched a lot of Creed Humphrey. It was interesting that he chose to come back for a senior season, um, considering he was probably gonna be a first or second round pick last year. Um, But he came back. I'm pretty sure he played this year. Yeah, he played this year. Uh, made Spencer Rattler look a little bit better than he was. Um, But I like Creed. You know, I think that... I
1: like he, Creed, too. With arms <laughs> wide open. What a Banger.
0: Banger. You no, know, as far as Creed Humphrey goes, he's going to be a solid center, maybe even guard in the league. Um, I don't think that he's going to be the elite-level talent that some people are touting him as, but... I think that he'll be a solid starter. Well, he does
1: have some of the best hands in the class. Um, If he's in your pads, I mean, you're not moving. Sorry. Yeah, he's very good at getting people off. Right. He's pretty pretty strong, too, which, I mean, a lot of these guys are. Again, he's not the greatest athlete, but, I mean, you know, day two pick. I
0: had him probably early second, early to mid. Um, He needs to be better at playing with a little bit more leverage. Especially being on the inside, you're going to be playing a lot of really
1: tough nose tackles in the league. Right, that's fair. Next, I have Wyatt Davis out of the Ohio State University. Sorry, they get mad if you don't do it that way. Right. I don't really <laughs> don't thought. need anybody
0: coming after us for that.
1: Um, Jesus. Wyatt Davis. Um, again, he's another guy. There's going to be a run on these on these guys. Up. Midway through day two, I think, and he'll be one of the guys going. He is very balanced. I mean, I he's not he's got some negatives, but I like Wyatt Davis a lot, actually.
0: He really likes playing physical, which is nice, especially on an he interior line. He has lineup. ideal
1: physical tools to be an NFL guard. He really does.
0: He's a little bit smaller than you'd like as far as his frame goes, but, I mean, maybe his body control is a little bit more average than you'd like it to be, but his lower body is super powerful. He can unroll his hips into ankle blocks. He creates a lot of drive momentum. Um, that's something that you definitely want to see out of an interior lineman. So I think that he's going to definitely be more of like a mid-to-late second, even like an early third.
1: One thing coaches are going to love about him is he doesn't panic. Like, you can look at losses on his tape, but he always fights to the end. Like he never gives up on a play. And He does have a little bit of bad intentions towards the end of blocks. I love it. You know, You, you have to love that. All right, now I'm going to go to your guy out of the University of Wisconsin- Whitewater. Big Daddy Q. Quinn Miners, the absolute darling of the Senior Bowl. That's my guy. <laughs> I mean, he went down to the Senior Bowl and just everybody fell in love with this guy.
0: He was... Wisconsin Whitewater did not play this fall. Um so he was a
1: white guy who had dreads. Which, I mean,
0: when he got the invite to the Senior Bowl, he did not disappoint.
1: He didn't actually get to play in the game because he... I think he had a hand injury. He did break his hand. And he was begging Brian Forrest to let him play. And I think he let him line up for like one snap at the end that was like a needle down or something. I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, A lot of people seem to think he'll be be playing center, even though he always played guard at Wisconsin-Wikemore. I'd like to see him at center. That could be interesting
0: because he definitely right. has above average hand length or length and hand size. I think that would really benefit him as a center, and he could be a dominant center.
1: Right. Again, the biggest—I mean, the biggest knock on him is going to be—I mean, competition level. He didn't I mean, Wisconsin Whitewater. Who do they play? I—I right. couldn't tell you.
0: He so, needs to improve the foot, the footwork a little bit. Um, he's
1: explosive
0: off the ball. though. Like, he plays he, such a strong power game.
1: And the biggest thing about him is he went to the Senior Bowl again, Wisconsin Whitewater, but he didn't look out of place playing against these bigger school guys he was beating them a lot also a former wrestler that's true so he's a he's a nice little gritty
0: boy likes to throw people down I know you really want your team to draft Quinn I Miners. really hope that Quinn Miners ends
1: up in LA I really hope that he ends I want up there I 40 because you want something for me that we'll talk about later all right final interior guy we're going to talk to about here and he's another one again a lot of people are saying they think is a I mean, could be a tackle, but more likely move to guard. is uh, Liam Meikenberg from Notre Dame.
0: Notre Dame. Notre
1: Dame just churns out these offensive linemen like it's nothing.
0: He's I mean, a little bit older as well. Zach he's another redshirt Williams, senior.
1: Quentin Nelson, Ronnie Stanley. I mean, he's a graduate student. That's old. <laughs> yeah. Um, like he, I guess he's been at Notre Dame for a while. He. He's a three-year starter at left tackle. He's good at establishing leverage. You know, he's like I said. He's again, he'll be a day two pick. Um, scheme independent. I mean, Notre Dame. He did whatever they asked him to. That's fair. He kind of reminds
0: me of Justin Pugh. If you remember Justin Pugh coming yes, out. Yes, I
1: remember Justin Pugh. Um, one of the one of the negatives about him, if you watch the tape, he struggles against lengthy edge guys. That's fair.
0: Yeah, he's got a he's got a little bit of issues with his timing and hand placement.
1: And he's not going to wow anybody with his athleticism.
0: I think he's more of your run blocker at this point in his career. Um, I don't think that he's going to be your like elite pass defender. Uh, or excuse me pass blocker rather but i think that he'll definitely benefit somebody in the run game i think that if he does play tackle to move him to the right side
1: i think that's fair um, now we are going to move to the defensive alignment
0: the defensive tackles um, moving into the interior defensive line i think this is going to be the easiest transition here just because there's, there's not,
1: not a whole lot, lot of guys top. to talk about this is in my opinion probably the worst position group in this draft. I'd say so. It's I mean, as bad as it's been in a while. Um, there are a few good guys, though, that we'll identify here. First being, number one on my board, the guy who I think should be number one on everybody's board, but isn't, is Christian Barmore from Alabama. Again, Bama just churning out the talent. Yeah, exactly. And a defensive tackle. Um, I like Barmore a lot. Very bendy for a man who's 6'4", 3'10". St- not the most consistent, but... I really like him as an interior pass rusher.
0: I feel like he does have an on and off switch. Um, feels like he doesn't really have to work as hard against some of the lower level competition that they were playing.
1: Always turns it on against uh, in big time games, though.
0: Well, big time games always happen in the NFL, so hopefully he can keep it on. Yeah, you know that's going to be the biggest knock for me. I, this, I would say as far as Christian Barmore goes, but like you said, as far as he goes, he's a very large man who's very flexible, which is He's got is the ideal
1: build to for an interior pass rusher, too. Um, he only had one season as a starter at Alabama, which could be a little concerning, but uh, I like Barmore a lot. I He'll be a first-round pick for sure.
0: He does struggle against double teams, but we'll see how that pans out in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I mean, he uses his hands really well, too, to get inside on some guards. So, again, we'll see how that technique works out. Number two for my defensive tackle rankings is Alene McNeil. Pretty much the consensus, one and two are McNeil and Barmore. I've seen some people have Barmore, I mean, McNeil below, or ahead of Barmore. don't understand why. I don't know about that. Um, He's a little on the smaller side. 6'1", 317, played at NC State. Um, Very explosive for his size, though. But he's kind of, he's not going to be a pass rusher. He graded out really well in run defense, but he does not rush the passer very well at all.
0: That's fair. I think that, you know, between the two, I think Barmore will have more success rushing the passer. Um, I think that if, because pass rushing moves aren't necessarily something that we need to really knock somebody on, because that could be coached. Uh, But it is something where he's more of a raw guy and you're going to have to just take the guy who's going to be more of your run-stuffer and teach him the pass-rushing moves and teach him to rush the passer as opposed to...
1: Right, another knock I have on him is he kind of wears wears down as the game goes along. Later in the game, you can definitely tell when he's tired. And That's fair. teams expose that. Next, I have Milton Williams from Louisiana Tech. Don't know why Louisiana has a tech, but whatever. Yeah, you no. Know. It be like that sometimes, you know? They're not very technical down in Louisiana.
0: Milton Williams is another one of those guys who's really explosive.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, again, Louisiana Tech, 6'3", so it's definitely on the smaller side. Yeah, pretty lean. Pretty lean for the position, um... It's a good frame. It's just not as heavy as you'd like him to be. No, I mean, he can put on some muscle, too. You know, Aaron Donald's not the biggest guy, and look at him. Um... He, the thing is, he already added 25 pounds over his college career, so how much more does he have to add, really? That's fair. And he's only got one year of quality starting tape that you can go back and watch. Um, it was When they played BYU this year, they handled him pretty well. Yeah, and that was honestly really the only quality line that he faced, right. and it was one of those things where he just didn't look very good. He's a guy, some people... I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on Milton Williams. He's a guy who... I think it has been moving up some draft boards, but I, he's nothing. I, I don't see him as more than a day three pick, in my opinion. That's fair. In fact, my guy I got next, I like a lot better, Tyler Shelvin. The big man from Louisiana State. That man is gigantic. University. Um, yeah, he he struggled with his weight problems, even dating back to, I mean, high school. There's tales that he would, like after football practice, go home and just house, like, an entire little Caesar speech, which, I mean, same, <laughs> but um, I'm uh, also not 6'2", 350 pounds, and he had to get down to 350 pounds. Right, exactly. Like, uh, he's, had, he's had problems in the past controlling his weight. That, but, I mean, again, he's a big boy. He is damn near an elite run stopper. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's, uh, you see, he if he can get the weight under control, he's your prototypical nose tackle.
0: Oh, without a doubt, The big thing is
1: he's immovable. I mean, you can't move the guy.
0: He's so big. It's just one of those things that sometimes, because he's such an elite run defender, it's one of those things where he kind of doesn't even try to rush the passer.
1: He's got a great first step too. Like, again, for a man his size, he doesn't just win with power. Like, he's got good moves. Um, Like I said, he was reportedly up to three seventy five last fall. It's rough, and he's not gonna rush the passer a whole lot. If you're looking for a stout, run-stuffing nose tackle, Tyler Shelvin is your guy. 100%. Late day two, early day three, I think. Um, One more guy I want to talk about before we move on, because like I said, this defensive tackle class is just not great, is Levi Mucerike from Washington. Um, He's another guy who's on the smaller side, 6'3", 290. Um, What do you think about Levi Mucerike? I, I mean, he's, he was one of the most explosive defenseless tackles in the country. The dude flies off the line. That's fair. Yeah, I think uh,
0: he kind of played more nose tackle, which is a little bit out of his position. Yeah. Um, but he played well.
1: Not a whole lot of fat on his frame either. Like, he is jacked.
0: Yeah, I mean, what is he, like 6'3", 290, 90, something takes. like that. Uh, realistically, he could be more of your 3-tech kind of guy. Um, he does have a lot of pop behind his hands. Uh, He's really tough to handle when everything's kind of in motion, which is good.
1: His production stalled a little bit in 2019 when he became a full-time starter. Sure. And he opted out of 2020, so I don't know how teams are going to look at that. I still see him as a day-two pick somewhere along the
0: line. I think that somebody will take a flyer on him early, probably in the third, late in the second. Right. Um, I think that the big thing is he's just kind of like a one-hitter as a pass rusher. Uh, One-hitter-quitter. Doesn't really like to combo a second move if he gets beat. Kind
1: of just... Dies off, but that's something that could be coached. I'm sure. So, all right, now I'm going to move on to the edge defenders because I don't feel like talking about this defensive tackle class for uh, exactly another minute. Kind of killing my vibe because it's bad. If you need one, take what's his face, Christian Barmore. <laughs> okay, exactly. <laughs> but, um, now we're gonna move to the edge class, and I've seen this. This is the position where I kind of see the most discrepancy as to who's the guy. Who has yeah. Who has? as their top-edge rusher in the class. For me, personally, it is Jalen Phillips from the U, University of Miami. I think that's fair. He's the most talented off the jump. I think that he's definitely going to be the first one off the board. Right. The concerns with Jalen Phillips, I mean, essentially stem solely from the fact that he's already retired from football once, and that's going to scare some people.
0: Yeah, I mean, the concussions were a problem. That's definitely something that you're going to have to keep an eye on.
1: I mean, it wasn't just concussions. There were other things. I mean, he's got... He had a wrist injury. He's got the size you want at the position. I think he's, what is he, 6'5", 260? He's a big boy, yeah. Um, Had a great pro day. Not the best pro day of all the edge rushers, because then we'll get to that guy in just a second. But, no, Jalen Phillips is my edge one. He said he, he was a... I think he was like the top recruit in the country when he came out and committed to UCLA. He said retired, then he came back and went to Miami. The injuries are the reason why I don't have him as
0: my edge one. He is a edge two for me. Who do you have? Um, so personally, I think the consensus is Quitty Pay okay. as the first.
1: Well, can I just t- touch on Jalen? Yeah, please, I mean, please. He is. I mean, he's again the biggest weakness injury history. Very powerful, though. And he stayed healthy for Miami this past year.
0: That's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to be a guy with so much injury history, have that on your resume, and then stay healthy for a year, you know? Especially in a year where everybody is – that's the biggest thing, man. Like, the medical reports in this year's draft are honestly out of this world. It's insane that there's so many dudes that are like,
1: right. hey, f- we have to focus I on mean, medical. Phillips blows through contact, too. I mean, it absolutely blows through.
0: Oh, it's crazy, and the man oozes power. I mean, he has so much power; he can move guards, tackles with one, with just one arm. It's ridiculous. I think,
1: I think if he didn't have the injury concerns, that he would probably be edge one in this class. I would say so. Now we go to Quitty Pay, 261. very twitchy edge defender. Um, doesn't have the greatest like numbers as far as production goes. But he graded it out really well. Um, he's just one of these guys that's a freak athlete who somebody's going to have to develop, but it's definitely worth developing.
0: I think the biggest thing with Quidipe that I want to see from him is using his size a little bit more on the interior pass
1: rush. Right, and the man is an athletic freak. Oh, that's without a doubt. I mean, he ran a sub-6.53 cone. Right. He's, he's beefy, but he gets around, guys. Yeah. Um. Sometimes he relies too much on just trying to barrel through guys. I think that's something that can be coached out of him. Well, yeah. He doesn't have a whole lot of combos.
0: He's another one of those guys who kind of just relies on his first move. Like you said, he tries to just bull rush through everybody. And
1: another thing you like to see from him is he's improved every year. He's been a starter there.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely committed to getting better, which is, I mean, that's definitely something you want to see in a first-round pick. I think, realistically,
1: he's going to go top fifteen. Who do you Let's have next? go to the man who had just the probably the pro day, like the champion of pro days this year, maybe of all time, Jason Owe. Jason Owe. At 6'5, 260. We'll round up to 260, 257. That man ran a 4'3 940 at his pro day. It's insane. A 6'843 cone. Like this guy. This guy's numbers are off the charts. Like Everything is 99th or 100th percentile. Like It's insane. The man just had an... I, he didn't record a sack last year, but he got pressures. Again, don't look at the production as a saying, oh, well, he didn't have a good year. He had a good year.
0: Oh, 100%. He's the big just, thing with Jason Owe that I've noticed, at least, um, his rushes kind of die on contact, which is why he didn't really have a ton of sacks, um, and he didn't have any last year, I think that the biggest thing with him is he needs to fight through more arms and actually make that second move and actually try to get to the quarterback because he's got the athleticism. He's a freak. I mean, the
1: guy, like you said, he ran a sub four.
0: Yeah.
1: Sub four four. Like That's insane. Yeah, that's, I mean, he can freaking chase down running backs too. I like Jason Owe a lot, and I think he'll be going in the first round. I think so too. But next, I don't know about you, I'm going to go with Gregory Russo from okay. Miami. I had Aziz Ojolari, but go ahead. Um, thing with We'll talk about Ojolari in just a second. The thing with me about Russo, and listen, as a true freshman, or I think as a redshirt freshman, only one man in the country had more sacks than him, and that was Chase Young. Good company to keep. Um, he's big, 6'7", 266. I almost think he would be better off in the NFL if somebody took him and moved him inside. Really, all of if you look at the tape, all of those win, all of those sacks came when he was beating guards. He was abusing guards, and then he gets to tackles, struggles a little bit.
0: I okay. don't. Know, I That's mean, fair.
1: I don't know if some teams see him that way, but I don't. And he listen, he did not have a very good pro day. That's fair, and I've seen
0: a lot of reports that you know. According to Schefter, it's, you know, if, there's, if Gregory Russo is there on the board, there's at least a few teams who have said, we'll take that guy. The
1: guy, again, he's another one of these guys. He's just an absolute athletic freak, though. Um, he is coming off the ankle injury. And he opted out of 2020. Family reasons, I get it. It's fine. Would have liked to he see He did put him. on a
0: lot of weight, though. Because after his freshman season, people were saying, ah, he's just a little skinny yeah, but boy. He's, but
1: He's just so lengthy, and that's why I think he would be better off. Because he can win on the inside so easily. That's fair. And, I don't know, I just think maybe put on 10 pounds, get up to, like, 275, you'll be fine playing the interior. Oh, without a doubt. Um, he's not, for being as big as he is, he's not the most powerful guy in the world. Um, again, he struggles against tackles, but, again, somebody will take him in the He'll first He'll be round. a solid first-round pick. I
0: wouldn't really worry too much about him.
1: Now we will go to Aziz Ojolari. Like kind of a head.
0: smaller guy, you know, but as far as... You know, your stand-up, rush-the-passer, edge yeah. guy. I,
1: I think, think he's, he's the most pro-ready. I think he is definitely in the category of, I think, as far as scheme fits, a team who runs a 3-4 is better off taking him. Oh, 100%. 6-2, two, So, again, he's a little on the smaller side for a smitter. But he does have, like, probably the most, pro, like, experience. He has the most snaps on tape of all these edge defenders exactly. like quality work um, got a great first step it's ridiculous he gets he gets around tackles without them even knowing basically for being a smaller guy he has he's surprisingly strong I mean he he's got pop in his hands
0: um he keeps tackles off balance just because he's got such good timing um, and he get
1: he's good at going low around the tackles too
0: that's true he doesn't have any problem kind of getting down there his coring ability is really solid. Um, he's not
1: the guy you want playing against a tight end too often, but, you know, I don't see that as that big of an issue. I like Aziz Ojaluri a lot, and I think he'll be a first-round
0: pick. He's not necessarily your big power guy, but he's going to be able to finesse his way to a decent, you know,
1: first-round grade, I would say. Yeah, that's fair. All right, now, after Aziz, I have Carlos Basham Jr. out of Wake Forest. All right, bogey. He's another one of these guys... Who I think might be better off moving on the inside. That's fair. I'm not saying that should happen, but try him out. Try him out. I mean He's a big boy. Yeah, I like Boogie a lot. I think who, He's strong. I could see maybe a situation where he falls into this I mean I mean, not falls. Like it's taken in the first round. Um, late first round. I think he's more of a day two pick though. Six three two seventy four. He is a red shirt senior, so he's a little older. Um, got some consistency issues though. That's sure. that's what concerns me with
0: him. Yeah, he's a little content playing patty cake too. He needs to get stronger with his hands. Uh, biggest thing for me is that when he wants to like be a bully and
1: close that pocket, he'll do it. Yeah, and that's... he's strong and explosive. And he got a little too big in last this past year. Um, you can kind of see his size on tape because his explosiveness kind of waned a little bit. That's fair. Right. That's but he's very I mean—he's strong and explosive. Yeah, sometimes he can get a little cute for
0: a 285-pound man tries to play like Again, he's an edge rusher. You he's
1: young. got agility you wouldn't expect. He actually has some good inside moves on tackles that I've seen him get around. And yeah, some team needing an edge rusher will take him on day two, and I think he'll be just fine. <clears throat> All right, who do you have next? My boy Ronnie. Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma. You want to talk about him before we talk about the Texas guy? I get it. You know, <laughs> I think honestly
0: Osai goes before Ronnie, but I do have
1: uh, some unique
0: insights. Do have some stuff that I want to talk about when it comes to Ronnie Perkins because you're going to hear a lot of stuff about you know, oh he's not your stereotypical big guy. You know, he only came in at you know six three and about two fifty, so he's not a huge guy. I mean six three is a little generous. He was about six two and three quarters. It happens but the man is relentless and he's flexible too. He can get out and he's got a good bend around the edge, which is really solid. He's really comfortable playing low. Um, he can work his speed to power just about as well as anybody as far as edge rushers.
1: Yeah. I remember watching a rep from him this year where he chased down a wide receiver screen that went away from his side. That's pretty impressive. I mean, that's it's an athlete.
0: insane. The The man is the definition of relentless. Um, so, He's been starting ever since his freshman year, which is definitely something to note. So he's got three years under his belt. Obviously, he has the suspension that kept him out of the game against LSU, where we got just absolutely toasted, uh, as well as parts of the 2020 season. He only played six games this year. It happens. But the man showed improvement every season that he played, and when he came back, he came back with a vengeance. Um, Now, obviously... He's more of like a half-year wonder in a favorable scheme. Um, Obviously, the Big 12 doesn't throw a lot of pass rush out there, but he did look really good.
1: I think we will be able to day two pick.
0: I think that, honestly, he's probably going to go second, third. Um, That's fair. But talking to his strength and conditioning coach from high school, uh, just because he is a friend of mine, um, Ronnie, as a player is, like I said, the definition of relentless. He's going to work hard, um, and he's going to prove himself to be a leader. You know, um, He gave a post-game interview at Oklahoma where he said that he blacks out while he plays. Um, that's absolutely true. If you watch the tape from high school, you watch the tape from OU, the man lived in backfields and kind of didn't remember <laughs> the play that he made. Um, but as a person... He is who he is. He's not afraid to be himself, which is awesome. Um, and he's a, a leader, which is good. You know, you're gonna you're gonna get a guy who's gonna ha- have people in position, and he's gonna put himself in position to make a team win. I personally think that Ronnie's gonna be a steal. Okay. Obviously, being an OU guy, being a St. Louis guy, I'm a little biased. I'm but sure. he's gonna. I think he's gonna be a very good pass rusher in this league. Okay. I think that he'll end up being more of like a wide nine DN. Um, I don't think that he's gonna be like your prototypical four three put your you know, hand in the yeah, ground and do you. it. But I'm I'm
1: excited, man. I'm excited to see him in the league. Now let's stay in the Big Twelve, cross the Red River and talk about Joseph Osai. Oh Joey. From Texas. Six foot four, two fifty six. You know, I'm project projected probably second or third round pick here. Um got a very high motor. He's a very good he's a natural athlete. You could see it when he... I mean, his easy movement skills and his ability in space. He's, he's a good athlete. He's an every-down player. Um, you need that in your edge defenders. You'd like to see a little more explosiveness from him, though. Sure. unders From an undersized guy, because, again, he's only 6'4", 256. Yeah, he's definitely more of a finesse guy. Goes to the ground more than you'd like. Um, played, he's played off-ball before, but not smooth enough in space to do that full-time, really, in my opinion. Sure. Um... Again, though, I like He just
0: needs to get better at setting a hard edge. I think that that just comes with more physicality and less of the finesse game, and try to incorporate more power into the game. I think that Joseph
1: Osai will be just fine. Okay, now the last guy I want to talk about on the edge here is Peyton Turner from Houston. Actually, no, there's two more guys I want to cover here. One, one, one of my last guys here is kind of a uh, late-round steal candidate. Peyton Turner, big boy, 6'6", 268. Um... Very physical, but didn't play great competition, of course, playing at Houston. Long arms and violent hands, like, violent. It's definitely something that you like to see in an edge rusher. And he fights to the end of every play. Um, That Doesn't ever give up. Coaches are going to like that. His breakout in 2020 was only four games, though. He doesn't have a ton of dominant tape that you can go back and look at. Um, He's owned some tackles that won't sniff the NFL, and that was... You know,
0: that just goes back to the competition level. It's not like they're playing elite level talent. Uh, He did kind of struggle against Brady Christensen, a guy that we mentioned earlier. Yeah,
1: Um, they went back and forth. You know, exactly. Had good reps, some didn't. But again, we'll see what happens. I
0: think that realistically, at the next level, he'll struggle a little bit against double teams. Um, But that's something that he can work on. I don't think that that's going to be a huge issue.
1: Okay. Um, last guy I want to talk about here is Cam Sample from Tulane because I think this guy could end up being a steal. Um, 6'3", 267. He plays really low and I mean his he, he, he leverage is some of the best in the class. His highest, he had the highest win rate and grade of anybody in the Senior Bowl one-on-ones. His bull rush is his go-to, but he's not the physical specimen that can survive on it alone in the NFL, so he needs to work on some things like that. needs to do better keeping his pads clean because he struggles with that. Um, he but, does have a really good uh, stick-and-move mentality. He does have some heavy-handed strikes that will
0: lift and jostle people. I think that he's going to be, like you said, I, I would say that he's probably going to be a steal as well because I think most people are putting like a fifth, sixth-round grade on him.
1: I've seen some as high as third, but I think, you know, early day three. Fair enough. Um, the level of competition wasn't great. Again, because he played at lane. That's fair. But, but he <laughs> battered those people. It, was, it wasn't like he was... I like Cam Sample a lot, though. I really do. Um, again, I don't My team doesn't need edge rushers. He's a really skilled rusher. I think that he'll end up somewhere.
0: Uh, he, de- he definitely gets drafted. It's just going to be a matter of where.
1: Now we're going to go to my favorite position group, because it's what I used to play. And that would be the linebacker position. Linebacker. Uh, and you already know who I got as my number one linebacker. You already know. Oh, TV. This should be everybody. The time. man, Micah Parsons. Oh, you know, some guys try to get cute with it, saying J-O-K, or Stephen Collins, or that. No, I got I got Micah Parsons as my number one. Good size for the position, 6'3", 246. Um, I really want him on my team. <laughs> um, and with the off-the-field
0: concerns, quote-unquote, it's gonna be one of those things he may fall. You know, we'll stay blessed.
1: All right, I love off the field concerns. Give me all the thugs on my team. I don't give a fuck. All of them. Anyway, We had Le'Rod Landry for a while, so um, obviously you don't care. His combination of ex- of size and explosiveness is just special. He moves like he's undersized, but he's not. Um, from a form and balance and space as a tackler are again just great. He's a he he is maybe the best tackler in this class and he is probably the best blitzing linebacker in the league too you can line him up anywhere he's such a versatile chess piece that you can get and I I mean he's one of the best linebacker prospects I've seen come out in a long time that's fair he's not he struggles in coverage a little bit but I think I think he can get better with that um he opted out of 2020 so again we haven't seen him in a while uh, again, he does have the off the field concerns. There was a Penn State hazing scandal. God knows what's going on at Penn State. Right. Um, ran a four three nine forty. Love that. Again, I, God, I, I it, this is my the number one player on my wish list to go to my team. Um, but I love Michael Parsons and probably should be a top ten pick, but probably won't. And who do you think number two? JOK. I would give it, I would give to JOK. Jeremiah Awusu, Kormola. I like the name. Um, he's a little undersized. Yeah, he's 6'1", 221, and that's a generous two twenty one. And you that's the a thing. Play, he's, play he's definitely more. 10,
0: 10, 15. He's more of your like nowadays linebacker. I feel bad for the linebacker position, man, because it's one of those things that's it's kind of like the running backs that have kind of lost its lux, so to speak. Um, the linebacker job has gotten very hard in the NFL because being such a pass-heavy league, you need guys that can cover. You know, you're know, you not looking for those A-gap blitzers that are going to stuff the run all the time. Right. Um, so okay. I think that he fits the mold is my point.
1: I've seen some people say he's like a more polished Isaiah Simmons game out last year. Again, with these guys, though, it's like almost the biggest question is like, what the hell do you do with them?
0: A lot of teams see him in like a.
1: Is he a box safety? Is he a Buffalo nickel? Is he? Right. Or is he just a standard off the ball linebacker? Um, I don't know. I do like him a lot. I do like him a lot, though. I mean, he's very smooth. He can keep up with receivers. Very quick. Again, for a man his size, he should be. Um, but coming in, he'd probably be the smallest linebacker in the NFL. I think that he's going to fill more of like a Daniel Sorensen type role. I could see it, and he'll be a top. He'll be a. First round pick for sure. Um, I I like him a lot. And, you know, we'll see where he goes. Next, who do you got, Zayvon Collins? I do. Now let me. I want to ask you something about Zayvon Collins, just real quick, real quick. Hmm? That man at the medical combine, the medical checks in uh in Indianapolis weighed in at two hundred and seventy pounds. Two hundred and seventy pounds. Now. 270 pounds how many off-ball linebackers play at 270 pounds
0: zavin collins i'm pretty sure that's it.
1: does that man want to be an edge rusher
0: i don't think that he needs to be an edge rusher because he's proven that he can handle coverages well i know but i mean edge
1: rushers get paid more that's fair um he's fair he's big for the position I mean, He's mean 6'5 i mean he weighed in at tulsa last year at 260 um He does have the edge rusher type skills when he's blitzing and running backs don't stand a chance against him. (laughs) Right, no kidding. Um, And he moves so well for his size. But I'm just curious. Like, I'm really curious to see whatever team drafts him, what they want him to do. Whether they want him to continue to be an off-ball linebacker or if they want to move him to edge or maybe a little of both, you know? Um, He reminds me a little bit of almost like a Leighton Vander Esch coming out. That's fair. Um... The only problem was his scheme set was kind of very, uh, scheme-specific. That's fair. I have trouble with that word. Sorry, guys. Um, It's a lot of S's. Yes,
0: it is. But, anyway. The only reason I don't see him coming off the edge is because he's not necessarily... It's a little unnatural watching him come off the edge. I think he's more of your Devin White-style blitzer, who's going to kind of be more of, like, your situational guy. Um... He's really good at reading quarterbacks and sliding into passing lanes, which is why I think that he'll stay in an off-ball linebacker kind of situation. Um, He has the burst and length to track down runners from the backside, too, and I think that's a huge deal. Because even at 270, he's got a freaky combo of size and athleticism. It's nuts. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. he'll be a first-round pick. Oh, without a doubt. Um, Who do you have next? Because I think we're going to differ here. I actually have Jamin Davis. See, I have Nick Bolton. Okay. And We'll start with Bolton. Go ahead. I'll be a Mizzou homer here. Go Tigers. I, I don't think anybody plays more physical in this draft than he does. He hits people hard. He's going to get some roughing the passer calls in his rookie year. I mean, here's the thing, and I, I, I heard somebody say this. I don't remember who, but if I'm drafting a linebacker or a safety specifically in the first round, And they don't have at least one or two targeting calls on their resume in college. I'm a little concerned. I really am, because I need you to. I need you to be physical. I need you to hit hard, and that's what Nick Bolton does. That's fair. He, his processing speed. He sees the game so well. I mean, he. I think he is the kind of just a field general kind of guy. That's fair,
0: and he's really good at identifying plays and communicating it with his team, making sure they're in the right spot. I think that he's definitely going to be more of like your verbal leader, which is
1: nice. He plays downhill. And he's not scared of contact, to attack, anything. Um, he can, and, he, and he's good in coverage, too. I mean, he's, again, a little on the smaller side, though. 5'11", 237, that's going to limit him a little bit. And he's not he's not the fastest guy. I mean, speed is average at best. And yeah, the lateral quickness could use some help. Right, and he gets stuck in blocks, but I like him a lot, and I think he'll be a solid day two pick. Now we'll go to Jamin Davis, the guy who's Quickly rising up everyone's draft boards. I've seen Jamin Davis actually mocked to the Redskins.
0: Excuse me. The Washington <laughs> football team.
1: No. I don't care. Um, I don't like that pick in the first round. I feel like that's a reach. You know what this you know what this guy screams to me? He's going to be the classic Raiders draft day reach at Ooh, 17. Book okay. it! I can see that. Because... The Raiders. What do they do? They always fall in love with just like these athletic freaks. My biggest issue with Jamin Davis, he, we only have one year of like pretty good production, and it, I wouldn't even call it elite. Like it wasn't. It was a good year, not a great year. And he plays at Kentucky. It's not like he was playing behind like you know Ohio State linebackers or something like sure. that. He was playing at Kentucky. Why wasn't he starting sooner? He like I said he. Athletically, an absolute freak. We're um, 3 a four three seven forty at six three two thirty four. That's damn good. The um, big thing that I like about Jamin Davis is
0: his tackling ability. Right, he's got a huge tackle radius and he doesn't miss them very often.
1: And he's got the ideal frame for the position. He is long. He's got long limbs. He's pretty lean. I mean, he's he's absolutely jacked. Um, he's very quick too. He uh, needs help in the coverage department, right? Uh, and again, only one year as a starter so we just haven't seen enough production from him. Um, I think uh, he's getting a lot of first round buzz. I probably wouldn't take him in the first round, but I think he'll end up going in the first round. Like I said, this just seems like one of those classic like Raiders reach picks like Damon Arnett last year or Cleveland Cleveland Farrell and Jonathan number Abrams. Four overall Cleveland Farrell. Let's not talk about it. Oh Jesus. Now, at number five, I think I have Jabro Cox. Same. Um,
0: Prior to Kansas City, Missouri.
1: Right. He went to North Dakota State originally before transferring to LSU. Um, had a pretty good year last year. Uh, I guess that probably guy who's going to be solidly a day two pick. Six three two thirty two. So he's got pretty good size for the position.
0: And he's smooth um, for yes. that size
1: too. He's not very strong though. That's fair. Um, he he's average in the run game at best. He, I mean, he's great coverage. I mean. Nobody was better at covering tight ends than this guy. Um, But, again, he'll be a solid day-two pick. I mean, I wouldn't mind him as a target then. I'm with you. I think he's more of like your
0: day-two second. And
1: before we move on on. to corners here, sorry to cut you off. You're good. We're just going to mention a couple other guys who are probably going to be day-two picks. I don't want to say too much on them. Chaz Surratt from North Mm -hmm. Carolina. I think that's Sage Surratt's brother. It is. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, then Pete Warner from Ohio State. So those are just two other names to keep an eye on. Now let's go to the corners. Who do you got, number one?
0: Well, before the back surgery, I had Caleb Farley. I did, too. Now I assume. But, overall, I think, honestly, J.C. Horn slightly edges Patrick attempt. Really? I pers- That's just my personal opinion, because I like the man press corners.
1: We'll go ahead and talk about J.C. For- Horn, you
0: the big thing that I like about JC Horn, Joe Horn's son, right? First of all, Joe Horn's son, iconic that he came back and was like, you know what? I don't want to play receiver. I'm gonna shut up. I'm gonna shut down receivers, and that's exactly what he did. There was he must only have a, some daddy issues, right? No kidding. <laughs> there was only one receiver who put up more than fifty yards against him, Devontae Smith, who will obviously be a first round pick. The I'm way gonna... that he locks down one side of the field, I see a lot of comparisons to Jalen Ramsey there. And I can see it when it comes to tape because he's very good with the pass breakup. He stays, he sticks on receivers really well. I think that he's going to be the best of the top three. That you know, most I'm going to tell you
1: some issues I have with him. Though. Sure, he plays almost too physical. He does stuff in college that you're just simply not going to get away with at the NFL level. That's fair. Um, and he's not the best tackler, but you don't necessarily need your cornerback to be. I mean, he's a very confident guy. I love that about him. You have to be um, to play corner. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I have Sertan as my number one, but sure. um, I think
0: overall Sertan is the better corner. He's got good size, 6'1", 205. two hundred five. They're both
1: freaks. Yeah. Um, like I said, he's gonna have to reel in some of his, some of some of his physical plays though. Now moving on to Patrick Sertan, the, the second. second. I didn't S- forget. Yeah, didn't forget. Was his dad a football player, too? I think, yeah, he was. I remember that. Never heard of him. Probably, but... I'm just kidding. (laughs) Patrick
0: Sertan was insane.
1: No, I know. Um, Patrick Sertan. Again, my number one corner here. Out of Alabama. Again, these guys are just fucking churning out. Churning them out. Um, 6'2", 208. Good size. Um, Very consistent (laughs) technique. He's not the fastest guy, though. Um, And his change of direction ability is average at best.
0: Yeah, he's definitely not going to impress anybody with his own breaks.
1: But he's got a lot of snaps at Alabama. Um, he's got experience. He's very technical. Yeah, he's exceptional at the line of scrimmage. Nobody has better technique than him. Um, but anyway, what do you think about Patrick game?
0: I think as far as just all-around cornerback play, if you need the guy who's just going to be your lock – if you need a lockdown corner, I would say go ahead and grab J.C. Horn. If you want a guy who's going to be a consistent starter for a decade-plus, go Patrick Sertan.
1: I think Patrick Sertan, I think the most the most commonly mocked pick I've seen in mock drafts, and I've seen uh, what I feel like is 15,000 of them at this point, is Patrick Sertan to the Cowboys at 10.
0: I think that that's pretty stout. I think that's a general consensus that, you know, the Cowboys need a corner, and if they think that Pat Sertan is going to be that guy – then Pastor Tan's going
1: to be that guy. All right, now let's talk about Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. Go Hokies. Not really. Fuck the Hokies. Um, I feel so bad for Caleb Farley. The man. guy who I had as my number one before the back injuries took place, you know, he had a surgery that, from my understanding, the recovery time is not terrible, but... Yeah, they're saying
0: that he will be ready by training camp.
1: The, just the problem is sometimes can be like a recurring injury, you know. Um, I'm pretty sure this is his second back procedure. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot of press man experience, um, which is fine to me. Um, well, that's the thing. I mean, he's still a big guy. He's 6'2",
0: over 200 pounds. I mean, he can definitely handle bigger receivers. He'll be okay there. And he was another
1: guy who opted out. Um, but his makeup speed, I mean, you just see him catch guys. The way he keeps up with receivers, at 6'2", 207. He's another really sticky guy. He can stick to receivers really well. Right. And he had, he, great ball production. He, he, the ball seems to just find him. And I like Patrick Sertan a lot. Not Patrick Sertan, sorry. Caleb Farley. Um, he'll probably fall a little bit in the first round because of the injuries. I'd still be willing to take a chance on
0: him. Personally. I've seen a lot of people mock him to, like, 24 to the Steelers.
1: Yes. Even uh, 28 Ugh. to the Saints. Uh, well, Maybe. See. We'll so see what I, happens. If I was one of those teams like the Jaguars or the Jets in that range who has two first-round picks, I would use one of them on him for sure.
0: Without a doubt. For sure. CJ Henderson and Caleb Farley would be nasty. It would be nasty. In Jacksonville. Oh. Uh, barring obviously more injuries.
1: Number four, I have Greg Newsome. So do I. From Northwestern. Fucking X. <laughs> Greg Newsome, I like a lot. I almost wanted to kind of move him up to my CB3, but I didn't. So decided to stick with the board here. He will be a first-round pick, I believe It. What do you think about? I think that
0: being the f- that he played at Northwestern and they run such a zone-heavy scheme, um, it's going to be something that people are looking at. But he has really patient eyes for the zone. Uh, he doesn't really get caught out of position, ever. Um, he can play deep too shallow, too. He's not like one of those deep zone guys, he's not the shallow zone guy, he can play every part of the zone, um, but he only allowed one catch on 15 targets of 10 plus yards in 2020, that's a huge deal for me. He had a good
1: year, um, he's a little slow for a size, 6 foot, 192, Sure, doesn't have the best acceleration, but I think he'll be a pretty solid pro, I really do.
0: The biggest thing for me is, that you're going to get a lot of the knocks for the talent too, the only real like talented receiver group that he played against was Ohio State, which is definitely something that's, you
1: know, worth noting. Yeah, no, it's worth noting, but I think it will be fine. Now, we got Asante Samuel Jr., yeah. who pretty much plays exactly like... They're the same person. Asante Samuel the, Sr. They're the same human being. It's a lazy comp, but it's the best comp. Uh, doesn't have great size. He's 5'10", 180, but he, his reactions are just good. He just has a feel for the game, and... Again, it's another cliche I hate whenever the son of a former player gets drafted and they say, this guy's got football in his blood. Like, I just shut up. It makes me want to puke every time. (laughs) But, I mean, he's got great feet for the position. He knows when to jump the routes underneath. He's a ball hawk, too, man. And, again, like his dad, the forced incompletion rate was, was high. It's insane. He bounces in and out of his breaks really easily, too. His change of
0: direction... It's crazy. It's insane to watch.
1: Again, though, with the size, sometimes he is kind of too easily tossed around by bigger receivers. Sure. And, you know, we'll see where that leads him. but
0: He can get taken out in the screen game, too, by an like easy receiver block that he should beat.
1: I think he's a borderline first-round pick.
0: I think that somebody will probably end up taking a
1: flyer on him late late first, early second. I do, too. And just kind of a couple other guys we want to mention here, probably day two picks. The two UCF guys, Aaron Robinson and Tay Gowan, you know, let's just keep an eye on those guys. Want to move to safety now? I think uh, another guy we need to watch is probably Sean Wade from Ohio State. I think he could creep into day two. Well, um, that's a guy who I think might end up, I think he might be a better fit at free safety in the NFL. Personally, yeah. Um, he got toasted on the outside this year. Absolutely toasted, ro- roasted, toasted, whatever. He whatever you want call it, it wasn't good. He did not have a good season on the outside. Um, he could play. I guess. I mean, I see him as more of a slot corner, but I think his best option at the NFL is to play free safety. I think that's fair, but he's not the number one safety on my board because that would be Trayvon Morik. As yes. it should. Merrick Morik. How do you say I'm pretty sure it's Morik. I've heard both. But- Trayvon,
0: if I'm saying your name wrong, I apologize. You if know. you're even
1: e- email you know. us, please. If you're listening. Yeah, hundred percent. Quite sure you are. <laughs> Now Trayvon Morgan, um, I think, I think he's he's gonna be good. Six one two oh two, great ball production. Like again, he's another ball hawking safety, and I love those guys. But that's the thing; he's not just a ball hawk too. He hits hard. Right. He's yeah, he's explosive. Um, he's good in coverage. He showed that at TCU, and he hits as hard as any safety in the class. Again, like you said, um, balance was a bit iffy. Um, struggled to recover when he kind of got beat.
0: He won't be your single high guy. I mean, he's not the most rangy guy on the planet.
1: No, but, you know, again, I think he's probably the only safety I'd feel comfortable about in the first round. I think that's fair. Next, I have Richie Grant, another UCF guy. UCF is churning out some secondary talent this year. A shout-out to the Knights who won a fake national championship. Sorry, guys, it's not real. People don't forget. It's not real, I'm sorry. You don't just get to hang a banner saying... We won a national championship and make it true. It doesn't work like that. Anyway, um, Richie Grant gotta love the processing speed, man. Again, he's just a guy who has a great feel for the game, but the actual speed does not matter. Like it's one of those things where like the body doesn't necessarily match the mind. Sure, he's another one of those guys that has a little bit more limited range, and he's older too. Again, he's red shirt senior; he's already twenty
0: three. Um, but I mean, he's really done everything that UCF has asked of him. I mean. He started primarily in the deep part of the field, played more around the line. So, I mean, he can do both. And like you said, his processing speed is insane. He sees the game develop at a high level. He's going to be able to break on balls without really paying attention to the quarterback's eyes. It'll be really, I guess, fun to watch him in the NFL. I see him probably being like a day-two pick realistically.
1: Listen, guys, we've uh, been talking for a while, so we're going to get out of here. Just a couple more guys keep an eye on for day-two maybe early day three safeties. We got Elijah Molden Washington, Jamar Johnson from Indiana, Javon Howland from Oregon, and Andre Cisco, who probably the best single high safety in the class. I like Andre Cisco a lot. But um, yeah, that's going to be it for our positional overviews here.
0: Get excited. We're going to start mocking.
1: We're mocking Tuesday. It's happening. Um, We've my, already started, but final mocks Tuesday. 100% completely, fully accurate mock draft. And every pick is going to be right. I guarantee it. Okay? Guarantee it. Until next time, guys.
0: All right, you know the deal. So, if you enjoyed the episode, you like listening to us bullshit, be a friend, tell a friend. You guys know what's up. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye.